Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, specifically, we take a dive into Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, going to be talking a little bit more about Coach Cal. After last night's loss to South Carolina, things are not looking good for Kentucky. Everything's kind of just going down the drain right now, to be completely honest with you. But I also, later on in the show, want to talk about something more positive. If nothing changes and Cal does not leave for Texas or just resigns, period, or Kentucky fires him, which I think is the least likely option here, next year's roster is going to look really exciting. I want to get to that later on in the show. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. And ladies and gentlemen, We did it. We hit 3,000 subscribers on YouTube. I really appreciate everybody out there that listens to the show. If you're new to the channel, please make sure to let me know what's going on in your mind with Cal, what's going on with the program, what you think is going on with Kentucky basketball, football. If you have any questions, I'm more than willing to walk through an entire segment answering that at some point in the future. If you're listening on podcast, by the way, at Locked On UK on Twitter, you can send me any sort of question you want over there as well. Let's go ahead and get into it. My opinion after that loss to South Carolina on Coach Cal is pretty simple, and I think a lot of people would agree with it. He's done nothing to win over the fan base outside of next year's recruiting class. Now, we're going to get to the recruiting class later on in the show, but I wanted to start here with the now. Obviously, Kentucky now 10-6, and 1-3 and in the SEC. They started 9-3 and in their non-con slate And what have we been talking about, not just this summer, but during these non-con games as the SEC schedule has started to get closer and closer and closer? We've used one word, specifically dogfight, quite a bit over the past couple of weeks. And then that Missouri game came. We had highlighted that game three weeks prior, and I said if Cal does not get this team out of the slump that they're in, if he does not actually prove that they can go on the road and win a competitive game against a team that's actually worth a rip, this is going to be a problem. And it ended up being a problem, as we all saw. Kentucky got blown out of the water. And then they played Alabama, and obviously things were almost worse. I mean, that was one of the most embarrassing losses I've seen Kentucky take. And then they took arguably the most embarrassing loss of the season. They tripled it up with a loss against South Carolina on uh, on a home on a home court, you uh, last night in Rupp, he's not done anything to help himself. Schematically, he's not done anything to change. We thought earlier on in the off season that things were going to be a little bit differently, or excuse me, a little bit different uh, for the offensive side of the ball. We thought that X's and O's wise, we were going to see a little bit of a shift into a more modern style. You know, I thought we were going to see maybe a little bit more four out, maybe some more. Different. I think we were, we were expecting to see some different concepts from a spacing standpoint. Maybe some different types of zoom incorporated as opposed to just your regular weave. We're maybe starting to see some more modern concepts, more common concepts you see now implemented. And I don't necessarily know if we've seen that. And on top of that, late in games, it's become apparent that Kentucky has no idea what they want to do when it comes to running plays. And I know that we saw... Uh, just a couple of games ago, Kentucky go to Jacob Toppin against LSU late. 
and he was able to find find a three uh, in the corner, something that he's not statistically good at. But it wasn't necessarily that LSU game. It wasn't necessarily like a sign of, oh, look, Kentucky's changing offensively. It was just like a no. They ended up kind of getting lucky instead of being clutch, and that was not necessarily promising, I don't think. Uh, for a lot of different fans, it was just kind of like, a, oh, I cannot believe we have to even get this close uh, in, in this game considering where we were at about four or five minutes ago. I believe Kentucky had like a double-digit lead before things kind of fell apart. But Coach Cal, outside of schematics, has also, I don't think, done anything chemistry-wise or rotationally that would give fans or players or, to be honest with you, boosters any sort of hope that things are going to change. Things are going to improve. We've heard time and time again Oscar Sheebway, the center for the Wildcats, discuss and complain, essentially, about the lack of fight on this team. And he told Cal, apparently, in the postgame press conference yesterday, he said he told Cal that he's willing to go out there and fight, even if it's with a walk-on. He just needs somebody that will go out there and compete with him. And I think that a lot of you have stressed your opinion over whether or not Cal is the problem, whether or not the talent's the problem. And I do think that it is fair to say if we are going to blame this on the talent and we're going to blame this on the individual personalities themselves, not necessarily buying in or executing, I think we have to go back to who recruited the players, who got them collectively together, believing that he would be able to put them together chemistry-wise and make them gel in his system. Who did that? Who recruited the players? And it comes back to Coach Cal. So right now, we're sitting in a situation where things aren't improving on the court. Apparently, things aren't improving off the court because of all the emotional issues, apparently, that are going on in the locker room. It does not seem like whenever you watch this team actually go out there and play, they do not seem together. They do not seem like they really care, especially whenever things get difficult, and they don't really seem like they have a lot of answers. That comes back to the coach. All of this comes back to the coach. The players are an extension of the man that brought them in. And that was Coach Calipari. So right now, it's a very awkward spot at 10 and 6. Uh, To be be honest with you, the season is lost. It is over. And I know that's weird to say at 10 and 6, 1 and 3. I mean, they could go out and win out, but that's not going to happen. This game against Tennessee that's coming up is going to be brutal. And I think all of us know that. So we're strapping in. I think we're strapping in for a, a several weeks, maybe even a, all the way until the end of the season of complaining back and forth, arguing between sides of should we fire Cal? Should we not? Should he resign? Should he go to Texas? All these different things. And it's just one of those moments as a Kentucky fan where it's, I've never seen anything like this. Me personally, and I've only been doing this podcast for about a year and a couple of months. I've not seen anything like this. This is completely different from anything that I saw during that St. Peter's those St. Peter's weeks there. It's just a, it's just a strange time to be a Kentucky fan. And I'm, I hate to be the guy that's negative, but I'm leaning towards the negative. There's not a whole lot here positively that Cal has done to persuade me or change my thought on what's going to happen in the future. Now, I will try and spend this more positively later on in the show. I want to talk about the South Carolina loss. I want to dive into that a little bit more. Before I get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. 
From pro football to college bowl season to basketball, they've got it all over there at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. They are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, continuing along here on the Wednesday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Daw hanging out here with you. Arguably the most disappointing loss of the season so far, and there are six of them to choose from. I think this is arguably the most upsetting, and it was an upset of epic proportions. South Carolina 71, Kentucky 68. The Gamecocks come in with their first-year head coach, Lamont Paris, and they knock off John Calipari's squad. I believe Kentucky had a 28-game home winning streak heading into this one. That was obviously snapped. It was just uh, it was just one of those games where heading into it, Kentucky was a 19.5-point favorite. I almost said something on Twitter. I can't believe that I didn't get around to it. I laughed whenever I saw that line. I was just hanging out. Let's go see what the line for the Kentucky game is. I laughed out loud that it was at 19.5. But can you believe that, that Vegas thinks that Kentucky is going to win this game by 20? They're going to win this game by 19? No. Look at the emotional state of the program. And I'm sure Vegas evaluates all those different things, but they were way off in their evaluation of this one. I saw this coming from a mile away. I was talking to a couple different people before this game tipped. I was on the phone with somebody. I'm like, yeah, Kentucky's almost a 20-point favorite. I would be more shocked if that happened as opposed to the upset. If they won by 20, I'd be more shocked at that as opposed to South Carolina winning. I just don't, I don't see a world where South Carolina doesn't come in. One of the worst teams in the SEC, arguably the second worst, They didn't have a conference win. Arguably the second worst team in the SEC. I would not be shocked if they came in and just kind of took over early. And you know what happened? That's exactly what happened. South Carolina, and it was partially for a lack of defensive effort. It was also partially for a lack of, or for the fact that, you know, South Carolina just came in hot. They were just mentally better in a better state of mind heading into this one. They came out firing. I mean, they went ballistic from three. They finished 11 of 20 on the game. That's 55%. Kentucky only took 10 threes in this game. I think obviously Coach Cal, who apparently doesn't know how to get his team out of a slump offensively by creating new looks for different players, he just said, stop taking threes. We're going to go inside, stop taking them. Kentucky ended up shooting 50% from the, for the game. They shot 29 of 57 from the floor. And they ended up shooting 7 of 14 from the foul line. And that'll cost you a game right there. Ladies and gentlemen, that'll cost you a game. And you say, well, the players are taking the free throws. That's not Cal's fault. Again, let's go back to it. First of all, who coaches them? Who coaches them to take those free throws? And second of all, who is the one that recruited them in the first place? Thank you very much. It was Coach Cal. We're moving on. The rebounding margin in this game is actually interesting to me. South Carolina ended up getting 15 offensive rebounds in this one. And they out-rebounded the Wildcats. Now, even in losses, I believe that Alabama lost. Kentucky out-rebounded the Crimson Tide. We noted about that. It said it was weird. Kentucky only had six turnovers to South Carolina's 15. They had less fouls. It's just the shooting from outside the arc and from the foul line. That's what got them. And it was the hot start from South Carolina. Is Kentucky a better team overall? I think from a talent perspective, yes. I think they're better than, than South Carolina is. But as far as the momentum, mental state approach to the game right now the Gamecocks in Paris coach Paris they knew what they were doing heading into this one and they came in and they executed and I respect that Michi Johnson 
who averages 13 a game for them, came in and poured 26 points into this victory. He was 9 of 16 from the floor. He was 6 of 10 from three, had six rebounds, six assists. I mean, they had a couple of their biggest players step up in massive ways. Gigi Jackson, their five-star, who flipped from North Carolina in the offseason, was 6 of 10 from the floor, made both of his threes. They had their two best players, I think arguably, come in and they executed. Kentucky didn't know how to stop it early. Damian Collins, by the way, started this game, uh, which is just weird. According to, to ESPN and CBS, they started the game. But, I mean, what else do you say? What else do you say? Oscar Shibwe played well. I mean, statistically, he's going to go out there and do what he does if he's not playing somebody that's seven feet tall or can physically, you know, approach him. He played well, but outside of that, I mean, what do you say about this team right now? C.J. Frederick came off the bench and had a good game. Cal said that he was actually looking great in practice. Turns out Cal wasn't lying about something. He was right. Frederick came in and poured 14 points in, two of four from three, six of nine from the floor. I, I just, there's not a whole lot for me to grab onto in this one, right? So one of you reached out to me, and I, I hate that we're transitioning so sharply here. One of you reached out to me on Twitter and tagged me in a video and note, and I wish I'd gotten your name. I'm so sorry I don't have it pulled up right now. But a video noting at the end of the game when Kentucky had crawled back into it, Frederick nailed a three to cut it to one, then South Carolina hit a three of their own, then Kentucky managed to cut it down to three, and they had a chance to... I believe, take the or tie, tie the game to send it to overtime. And Antonio Reeves got a look at the top of the key, and he hesitated, and he's got, he got his defender off of his feet. And whenever I say I got, he got him off of his feet, I mean the kid jumped about 30 feet in the air to contest Reeves' three-pointer. And Reeves went to pull up, and he didn't get off, his, he didn't get off the, the toe, tip, tip of his feet. He didn't pull up and shoot, and he hesitated. And instead of leaning in to shoot and draw the foul, which was clearly there to be had, he kind of moved out of the way and then shot and allowed his defender to reposition himself to contend the shot again. It's just, that's bad coaching. That's bad coaching. That's not the player's fault. The the coach should have told you heading into that situation, you are looking to either get the three up that is clean or you are looking to draw a foul. One of the two things, and Reeves had the perfect opportunity to get his defender off of his feet, coming at him at, 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 at an angle where if you just put your shoulder up and you try and draw the foul, you're easily going to get it. And he didn't. And shout out Reeves, who played well in this game. He was one of five from three. I mean, you don't necessarily freak out over the last two three-point attempts at the end of the game. So technically, he was about one of three because those last ones were just prayers and I think believe one of them didn't even get close to the rim, but 13 points, 6 of 13 from the floor. Hey, there, there's just not a whole lot to say other than that it was a poorly executed game. Mentally, Kentucky's not where they need to, need to be right now. They're just they're just falling apart. They're just falling apart. That's kind of my analysis, is Kentucky basketball is falling apart. Where were you when the John Calipari era potentially just died? I was hanging out just watching, ready for a night of SEC hoops, and one of the most disappointing losses that I've seen, 19.5-point favorites. Get out of here with that. All of this negative stuff, I'm getting really, really tired of it, to be honest with you. There's no joy in beating down on a team that you want to win. And I think next year, we've talked about it so much on this show. 
but I want to re- reiterate it one more time and kind of take a deep dive into these indiv- individual players. So let's say Cal needs elite talent to perform. Let's say that he needs five stars to actually go out there and win games. Well, next year, if he doesn't win games, then I'll be darned. I will be shocked. I'll be, I'll be absolutely bewildered. If he's still here, if nothing changes, I want to take a dive into next year's roster and some of the positive things we could be talking about with it. Before I do that, though, I just want to remind you guys to subscribe to the show. We hit 3K. I'm very, very excited about it. And if you're watching right now and you are interested in kind of sticking along here as we move through the rest of the season, I would absolutely love it if you subbed. We're going to be having uh, different breakdowns of different games coming up. We're going to be talking about, okay, if Cal is considering leaving, who are some potential candidates that we could be looking at? To be honest with you, there's not a ton of names out there, but we're going to take a look at some. We're not going to be all negative here. So if you want to stick around and join the ride, I would really appreciate it if you've subscribed. And if you're watching on podcasts, please go follow us on Twitter at LockedOnUK. And listen, if you just like to listen on the podcast, Go over to YouTube and sub anyway. We're trying to get those numbers up. 5K is where I want to be before the end of basketball season, and we are trucking along, getting closer and closer to that. So, again, thank you so much for listening, and please subscribe to the show. All right, wrapping up the Wednesday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Daw hanging out here with you. So the roster talent, I think, next year, if we're complaining about talent and we're saying it's not on the coach, even though he recruits the talent, it's the talent itself. Okay, let's say hypothetically then that is the case, and we need that talent. Next year, I want to kind of take a dive into what this rotation could look like if nothing changes. If players don't decommit because they're afraid of the direction of the program or they get better NIL offers or John Calipari leaves for Texas or he just resigns, whatever the case may be, if nothing changes, you're going to have Rob Dillingham, one of the most electric high school players in the country right now, starting at point guard. And if you want to, to sit here and complain about the lack of five stars on Kentucky's roster, he's a five-star. Five-star freshman, one, two, three, four, five, one of the best in the country, probably the best point guard in the country, maybe the best player in the class, depending on where you look or who you talk to. He's a shot creator. He's excellent with the ball in his hands. He's quick. He's energetic. He's got a really nice confidence about him. You talk about players that lack confidence right now for Kentucky. He is the complete opposite of what Kentucky has on parts of their roster right now. He's a great addition. Very excited to see what he does in Cal system next year. Because what Cal system relies on is they re- it relies on young talent that can score and create in isolation. Talked about that so many times on this show. It talks. It, we, it's important to have individual one-on-one ISO matchups in Cal system where the player can consistently beat his man and score. The reason that Cal system is so simple is because he is continuing to bring in young talent that takes time to adjust to the game. So. If you're consistently going to have younger players in your system, both offensively and defensively, then why would you not kind of simple, simplify things down, not run this grand X's and O's, you know, Princeton-style offense where, where you've got all these different things going on? Why wouldn't you just break some things down individually, focus on what these players do well, get them chemistry-wise to gel together, and then rock with a simple system? That's probably, honestly, why Cal sticks with man-to-man. You've got your man, you've got your man, individual matchups on the other side of the floor. That's my, that's my assumption for it. So Rob Dillingham's going to be at your starting point guard as a five-star. Your backup, you're looking at one of two players. You're looking at a Duthiero, who I know some of you are not excited about. You people need to stop sleeping on him. He's going to be good for the Wildcats. I'm very excited about what he's going to be able to do in his minutes, extended minutes, I think, in the future. 
It's either going to be him or another five-star, Reed Shepard. Now, Reed Shepard, I think, is probably going to be playing the two more than anything, but he also could be rotating into the one because your starting shooting guard is another five-star. You, you see where I'm going with this, guys? DJ Wagner, five-star combo guard, electric player. I mean, electric explosive. This back, this backcourt, almost said backfield, this backcourt next year is going to be one of the best in the SEC, I think, right off the jump if nothing changes. And then you've got a Duthiero and Reed Shepard. You've got a kid with potential, with a high upside, with a really, really good motor that's young, that's got freakishly, freakishly long arms that are, I think, just it's, it, everything about Thiero screams potential if you can just find and unlock that. It's Shea Gil, Gilgis Alexander. It's, it, it's, it's him if you can just unlock that potential. And then you've got Reed Shepard who I actually, I, I don't know if I retweeted. I shared it with somebody. He, he was going up against, uh, I believe it's Travis Perry, Tyler Perry, don't remember his name, but it was a back and forth high school game. And Reed Shepard, who is about six foot three, 190, 180. He, it's late in the game. It's like a one point game or something like that. And Reed Shepard with less than a minute left pulls up for three on his man. He misses it. And as he shoots it, behind the three-point line, he immediately goes to attack the rim, and as it comes off the backboard, or excuse me, as it comes off the back of the rim and he misses, he grabs it and dunks it. It's, it's not often that you see that out of, out of six-foot-three combo guards. So you've got, I, I think, again, to go back to the word one more time, explosive is the best word to use for what Kentucky could be looking at next season. And then you've got Justin Edwards at your, at, your, at your three spot. Oh, yeah, he's a five-star, by the way. So we got one, two, three, four, five stars. Oh, also, C.J. Frederick, a, a note here. He's a redshirt senior, so technically he could come back for one more season. I don't know if he's going to. I don't know if he's going to transfer. To be honest with you, if I was sitting behind Dillingham, Thierra, Wagner, and Shepard, I'd probably leave. He's also just gotten recently gotten engaged, so... There could be something there where he could be deciding to just move on from basketball completely. But if he spots in there's into this rotation, I mean, there's just another excellent shooter in your de- in your depth. But Justin Edwards at your at your three, you're probably going to want a transfer three, and you're definitely going to want a transfer four. Kentucky is bleeding at that spot right now, and now that Jacob Toppin's going to be graduating, your best option is Damian Collins, another five star. Don't know what he's going to do. But you need a transfer forward. You need a power forward to come in and, and be that guy for you. And then your center spot, I mean, it, I don't think it could be, I don't think it could be better in the front court. You've got Aaron Bradshaw, five-star. You've got Onyenzo, five-star. Well, four-star in a couple different spots, but five-star. And then you've got Lance Ware. If he does not decide to leave, he could also play at power forward a little bit. He's a five-star, former five-star. So it's a, it's a talented roster. It's a loaded roster. In that shooting backcourt of DJ Wagner and Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard, I mean, it's going to be, I think, ridiculous. I, if ever, if nothing changes, this team should be just insane next year. I hope so. I hope so. Very excited about the possibility of next season. I hate 16 games into the year, halfway through the year, we're already talking about it, but that's kind of where we're at. That's kind of where we're at with, with John Calabari. There's not a whole lot else going on right now that leads us to believe that much is going to be accomplished this season. Probably not going to make the NCAA tournament, just to be completely honest. It's not going to happen, I don't think. 
So looking ahead to next year, I think a lot of things will get quickly get better uh, if we'll just stick around and be a little patient. So, and that is if Cal stays. So that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hey, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore and you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, hit me on the socials. Leave it in the YouTube comments below. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.